kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Back about 1918, my father read. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. This is only the second episode we've ever done with absolutely nothing planned. Um, so this is kind of a special occasion, I guess. Um, mostly I just couldn't stand to talk. Um, I couldn't stand to talk about the regulations after having sat and read 499 pages of my government saying glass is a tobacco product, wire is a tobacco product, uh, wick is a tobacco product, uh, among other wonderful little surprises, uh, all given to us wrapped up with a bright shiny bow by the FDA. Um, with me this evening is the I, I can't even say bubbly and vivacious. With me this evening is Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you this evening, Miss Jeannie? Uh, annoyed and pissed off. Okay, so that's that's about right. That's that's a good regulatory temperature there. Yeah. I'm very, who is the very very best producer that money can't buy. How are you this evening? I, I'm also miffed. Not quite as much as you guys will be miffed because I'm not in the U.S. But. <sighs> Yeah. But well, yeah, yeah, we, we had our, our our little upset this week as well with a totally uh, wicked thing. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um so And our regulations start in uh not very long at all. Yeah. Eleven we, days, technically. Good God. Ninety yeah. here. Mm -hmm. We get a little bit of time um you know, before it all starts um changing for us. Michael know. Morris, yeah, two mils sounds really nice, and then you can buy an aftermarket kit and make it bigger, because <laughs> the EU <laughs> haven't produced a gigantic list of <laughs> things that count as tobacco products. Um, <laughs> like, you know, Clytos, you can, you'll still be able to buy a little Clyto and add a fat tank to it, so yeah. Yes, well, you know, once again, our government does what it does. It uh, tries to take something that's overwhelming and hard and turn it into something simple. And it's not. Um, I wish I could show the picture from your Facebook page, Jeannie. 
the $14 million question. Can you explain, <laughs> please? <laughs> so I, I, I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> Gee, yeah, I can't imagine I, why. You know, I didn't, I didn't sleep last night. Um, and so, of course, that meant I was awake at the ass crack of fucking dark. Um, and the news was on. And uh, WIVB, one of the stations up out of Buffalo, New York, which is where my local television station television stations come from, here in Pennsylvania, where I live. Um, yes, that sounds asinine, um, but it's true. <laughs> Almost to fucking Canada. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, so they had done a piece with Andrew Osborne from Vapor Trails. Um, the other day, and it was a pretty fair and balanced piece. Um, I should have known the other shoe was going to drop at some point. Well, it, it dropped this morning, and, and they did this just asinine report in about how we're all up in arms over this, and all these regulations want us to do is register with the FDA, not miners. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, got, I got all pissed. And so I was sitting there on the couch and I thought, I'm going to explain this shit to people so that they can understand it. So I have a picture of four bottles of e-liquid, my mod, and the Cleto tank that's on my mod. And, and I explained it to people. Here's, this is the $14 million question. Just so everything is perfectly clear, I figured maybe a picture was worth a thousand words to some people. So, there's four bottles of e-liquid here. Say that a vendor sold those four bottles of e-liquid in three different nicotine strengths. That makes 12 applications. Then you have the device. There's another one. And then you have the tank. And there's another one. Now, we could go on and on and on and add this stuff up over and over and over again. But we're just going to leave it there. We're just, we're just going to leave it at the, at the 14. 14 applications at a minimum of a million dollars each. $14 million worth of applications sat in my lap. It's, it's, it's some scary shit. It really is. I can't... And this is me speaking for me, not me speaking for anybody else. I can't decide whether they want to hand everything over to the black market purposely or whether they're so stupid and naive they actually believe this is going to work. Well, I'm, I, I kind of wonder if they're not trying to add it into the war on drugs because they're losing marijuana off of that list. Right. But, okay. If you want to talk like medical marijuana or recreational marijuana. Um, there's some pretty interesting, has anybody seen the Vice series weeds? I the only one who like watches this shit just cause I figured, oh, okay. Let me tell you a little story. Years and years ago, Kevin and I sat down and we hashed out what was going to happen, what we thought was going to happen. Um, and he was like, got to stop this. It can't happen. And I gave him a link to a place called Blue Light RU. If you don't know what Blue Light RU is, lucky you. You didn't need to. Um, Blue Light RU is 
a not just recreational but it, it's a form for a lot of people who um, deal with pain issues and dependence issues and drugs of all kinds and I said to Kevin I said this is what your future looks like and he just freaked out he didn't really want to talk to me after that because he didn't like what I was telling him I don't like what I'm saying I don't like the fact that it seemed to be really really accurate based on what I know about the FDA but this is where they kill me when you bring up the black market to these fuck nuggets <clears throat> they say things like well you know it's not going to be a problem contraband cigarettes anyone yeah. I mean the war on drugs has been a fantastic win um, they're underestimating the people they're dealing with and now they're dealing with people who are angry I don't know I don't think I would want to be them in the, the next few days I'm just saying yeah the one I like this week well last week was Clive Bates's blog about black market e-liquid yeah. yeah regulators and the compliance fallacy Buying 99%, yes folks, that's 99% nicotine e-liquid from China. Mm, he went hard. and did it just to see if it could be done. And yes. I'll drop the article link into, chat, into the chat. And yeah, only a little 10 mil bottle, because he's not a vapor. He was just seeing if he could do it. But mm -hmm. yeah, 10, 10 mils of almost 100% nicotine. And as he pointed out, yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> if that bottle breaks during transit, you wouldn't want to be handling that. Well, I mean, I think we have a built-in tolerance for it. You know what I mean? Certain amounts of it and getting it on us. I don't know that it's necessarily a good idea for a non-smoker to get that much on him. Just saying. Yeah, I, I, I don't wouldn't know. want to handle 1,000 milligram myself. Um, uh, <laughs> well, did do in it this case, nine nine hundred ninety-ish milligram. That that's yeah, it's going to give you more than a headache if you get some on your skin. Um, yes. I mean, we would have, I think, enough time to go run and wash that off. You know what I mean? If we got it on us, I don't know about other people. Yeah, your postal service worker though. Yeah, he's not going to know what's happening. Uh, well, uh, let's hope you don't like the through the envelope into his hand. Uh, collapses in the street. Might not okay. get a hospital in time. Yep. I mean, I know it's pointless to imagine all these things. Yeah. And it's pointless for me to sit here now and talk about it. And I know a lot of people are worked up about it. I'm worked up about it. I don't like the fact that in 90 days... It's going to be as much of a hassle for me to order e-liquid as it is for me to order, say, snooze. Now, and it is going to be just that much of a hassle. You know, it's going to cost me just as much. It's going to be just as much of a pain in the ass. It's going to require just as much identification and bullshit as I have to go through. And you have to have an adult present at home when they're going to deliver. So you've got to arrange delivery times. It's really a pain in the ass really big pain in the ass. Also, so, they've taken a little leaf out the TPD's book and it's a it's a, it's a staggered payload release. <laughs> so some 90 days a lot of the yeah. stuff comes in. 
and then not all two years <laughs> and then three yeah. years yeah. yeah so yeah they they lull people in you know they'll be fine for the first little bit and then more regs hit later and wipe out the market basically um, well the legal Jamie. market should I say mm -hmm. yeah. agorism for the win guys um so Jeannie you're gonna be okay yeah it's the smokers that are gonna be screwed um, and if I didn't uh, make my own e-liquid mm -hmm. I would probably not be faring so well mm -hmm. um, there's only a couple of vape shops within a half an hour of me um, and I don't care for their e-liquids at all um, but I'm, I'm very picky when it comes to e-liquid I, um, I, I would be in a world of hurt, you know, if if I didn't DIY. Uh -huh. But I do. And because I um, have this ever-preparedness going on, that was a nice way of saying that, wasn't it? Yes, <laughs> it was. In, in all aspects of my life, not just vaping, um, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Um, I have stuff on its way to me and in Wednesday I am going to be purchasing some more stuff uh, uh, Pravari by the way um, Pravari has a really nice sale going on the 2.5 version version 2.5 stand by the way nice. uh, and they last forever um, I think there'll be lots of sales in the next little while. It's, yeah. yeah, that's that's something you you know. I'm I'm not so much a Pravari fan girl. I'm more of a DNA fan girl. But um, Pravaris are are very dependable devices. You put a battery in it, and you push the button, it does what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it. Anyhow, so I have a pretty green one coming. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it's really scary for the smokers out there. That's that's my biggest thing. I'm going to be fine, Jen. You're going to be fine. Barry's going to be fine. Most yep. of the people that I know that are vapors, and I say most of, um, mm -hmm. most of them will be fine. My mother will be fine because it's my mother. Right. Um, but, you know, the way this stuff stands, if people don't fight it, there's there's a world of hurt. There's a world of hurt that's going to happen. Um I I could probably make my own e-liquid Jan and and continue to vape 12 milligram um for the rest of my natural life. Mm -hmm. And not run out. That's because you're prepared and I've I've got to say I I think you have to give a hand to the forum vapers who at the beginning knew this shit was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Right? And they said, "Okay, we need to figure out how can we save just mixing liquid how can we save it forever well freeze it it just slows down the molecular activity and you get a good long time out of that for diy yeah, yeah i think it's i think it's seven years before you start seeing serious yeah. degradation yeah, yeah. but freezer. even even then that that degradation isn't serious no, no. you know um kurt I did an interview with Kurt once, um, and yes. it's it's on SoundCloud VP Live, guys. It's there. Go listen to it. 
Um, and Kurt and I were, were talking about that. And he has got a bottle that he has had in his freezer for over seven years. And it, at this point, he it's like gone, it's dropped one milligram per milliliter in strength. One. That's not, that's not too bad at all. And that's not like a super duper freezer. That's a home freezer. So, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it does store forever. Um, I... And my whole thing with me having um, Nick storage mm -hmm. wasn't because of regulations. That was never it. I ran out of e-liquid once. Just once? Yes. Yeah, I, I always try to keep a liter of Nick base in the freezer. It's going to be more very soon because I'm going to buy more. But yeah, yeah exactly. I think a lot of us are going to buy a lot more stuff Cause, soon. Because uh, okay, our regulations coming in eleven days, but we've got another year if <laughs> vendors are stocked up because right. they'll, they'll still be allowed to sell what they have in stock when the rules come in. So yeah, hopefully I'll be able to buy lots of half liter bottles and fill up a freezer. And because I get through a liter a year. Do you realize yeah. how depressing this conversation is? My my biggest fear is is the is the price gouging and and the bullshit that's going to ensue. Yeah. Because I mean there are still uh, there and more are cropping up every day. Mm -hmm. I every time I start reading through posts, I start mm -hmm. imagining a a real life version of whack-a-mole. Because you got all these vendors going, well, my everything, my customers are going to be fine. My nicotine is not derived from tobacco. Oh, and I oh, picture shit. myself the sledgehammer going, wham! Liar! You know, I think people are, are under the impression that things are different than what they are. Well, actually, I have a message for all the guys who say... My nicotine's not derived from tobacco, so they can't touch me. Yeah, they'll seize it, and you can spend a decade in court trying to get it back. That's what <laughs> happens. Because they won't believe you. They'll take your stuff, and you'll have to legally prove that it's not from tobacco. <laughs> which is very hard to do. And it's like tomatoes and eggplant. Okay, I think the last computation I saw of the math for that... Would, oh, it's ridiculous. It, it was like a hundred bushels of tomatoes uh -huh. to make a 10 mil bottle of nicotine. A hundred bushels yeah. of tomatoes. So with that, with that in mind, how likely is it, do you think, that this vendor lying through their fucking teeth, that their nicotine is not derived from tobacco? Seriously. Uh, Michael Morris says there is synthetic nicotine, but yeah, there is and, and, unless there somebody is has drastically pricey. improved the process, it's a hundred times minimum more expensive to produce. But and but you also have to understand too that whether it's synthetic or not, Jan, you have poured through these regulations. It doesn't say nicotine derived from tobacco. Nope. It no, it, it's, it talks about something called intended use. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, they thought of it already. Yeah. Use. yeah, just thinking of it. If you intend to use it, 
perfect. If you're buying Wilton's cake flavorings with the intention of using them to DIY, that's a tobacco product. Because apparently the FDA is going to read your fucking mind. Um, one. I think they were one stop because that way, if they if they arrest you, um, <laughs> and you have, it's just more shit that they can charge you with. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know, but you know I'm, I make sad? candy here. I make candy here. I make lotions here. Um, I make candles here. Sure. Um, and and I can prove I do all of those things. Um, so, you know, good yeah. good luck to them. Good luck. Um, you know, and this is going to sound terrible. I'm so happy Drew isn't alive to see this. One of the last conversations I had with Drew, do you know what he said to me? There is no part of me that believes that the government will hurt me for trying to improve my own health. It's ironic. No? I, I never thought I would say I was glad he wasn't alive to see this. I, not, it's not that I don't miss him. I miss him terribly. Hey, I suffer from depression. I, I wake up some mornings uh, when you hear the news thinking, I, I'm sorry, I'm alive to see this. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, I yeah. mean when, when you start reading through that FDA document, that, that's what it feels like when you've got depression. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it just, it's kind of, this document is so all-encompassing, I kind of find it scary. At least we can still get the little blue, blue screwdrivers. <laughs> Are you sure? No, oh, they're, they're wait, exempted. I, yeah. I have glasses. <laughs> no, they're, they're exempted. They've exempted screwdrivers and lanyards were mentioned specifically. Uh, yeah, but that was in one part. Yeah. The further into it you read, the more you see them contradicting themselves. Gina, did you have that experience as well? Like where you see they say zero Nick is not, will not be regulated. Then later on they talk about, you know, intended <laughs> use. Yeah. It's tobacco. That's it's because like, they what, had what every mean? agency they could come up with help them write this shit. So it's written in the, in the language of several different agencies, which were never meant to work together. Work together. Um, so that there are loophole after loophole after loophole for them to exploit bend us over and exploit the rule well, i did on, on the day it was released i i did mention on twitter it's like oh, everyone will be lawyering up now yeah <laughs> that's that's uh, the that's the other big winner from the fda regulations the yes. lawyers are going to make more money well, you know, when you box people into a corner, two things happen. They either seek judicial redress of their grievances, and when that fails, you don't want to be with there when that fails. Um, you know, you just don't. So hopefully uh, judicial uh, redress of grievances will work out. That would be good. I would like that. Oh yeah, and I don't, I don't, you don't think you've got it in the US, but in the UK there's a charity, the Plain English Foundation, I think it is called, yeah. who, who who keep trying to 
force governments and regulators to actually produce regulations in normal plain English, funnily enough. Oh, for God's sake. Well, yeah, they haven't got very far. But <laughs> No, but it makes sense. I mean... Because yeah, worst... when you get a document like that FDA thing, as you say, it's been written by multiple agencies yep. It's and it's in sections are in legal speak and they use technical language so normal people will read it and be none the wiser well normal people will read it and get a headache um i get it and i feel so bad for julie julie westner has like been going through the document again that woman i don't know um, actually, everybody in Casal has been having a really shitty few days. So, well, when it, when it was released, uh, I got quite a few pages in, and then gave up and just read Greg Conley's tweets about it because that was easier. Because <laughs> I could understand his tweets rather than the document. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's some it, it's it's a daunting read. It's a hard read. It's a want to bang your head against the wall read. And, um, oh, God. I kind of miss legalese. Um, you know, just legalese in, in everyday terms. Um, but seeing it there, yeah, not so much. Yeah. I, I don't, um, it feels really weird to just keep talking about this. So, um, we can change the subject. Uh, let's talk about a Dayglow fuck nugget, shall we? <laughs> Would this <laughs> be a particular oompa loompa? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you, do, you want, do, do you want a bit of pie, do you? I do, yeah. Can you play okay. me some Jonathan Pie? Okay, here you go. Thank you. The immortal words of Franklin D. Roosevelt. But now Donald Trump is on the path to. Re I'm sorry, I. I just heard myself say it. It's ridiculous. Okay. If I was saying those words 12 months ago, you'd have thought this was a spoof. All right, let's go again. Let's do it. <clears throat> we have nothing to fear but fear itself. It's, sorry, are we literally about to compare Franklin D. Roosevelt to Donald Trump? Roosevelt's inspiring rhetoric compared with a man who once said, women, you've got to treat them like shit. That the man who brokered the New Deal compared to a man who brings up the size of his penis at political rallies. Okay, couldn't you put me in front of, you know, one of the shit presidents? I mean, do they even do statues of Nixon? Because I mean, he's no Washington, is he? He's no Lincoln. You can't really see them carving out his fat face into a mountain, can you? Actually, it's the sort of thing he'd probably pay for himself. He'd, he'd stick a gift shop in one of the nostrils, wouldn't he? Are we all right to go again? What's the, what's the problem? Sound. Okay. Problem is, you know, it's never thought I'd say it, but I'm glad he got the nomination. Because if you think if you think Trump is bad, Ted Cruz was a fucking maniac. He was just quieter about it, right? Trump, he's brash, he's loud. He's actually quite camp, isn't he? He's like a, a pantomime dame, but without the dress or the makeup. Well, without the dress. Anyway. President Trump. I don't, don't, 
Don't say it, Tim. No, don't. don't. The worst mistake the Republicans made was thinking he couldn't make the nomination. Trust me, the day the Democrats say he can't beat them is the day he makes the presidency. And he could do it, okay? He is attractive to the electorate for good reason. He's very, very rich, okay? And when you're that rich, you're not owned by anyone. A president that rich could be brilliant, okay? It could be brilliant for the environment because they're not in the pocket of big oil companies. Could be great for healthcare because he's not in the pocket of big pharmaceuticals. Unlike Hillary, who is in everybody's pockets, but it's not that simple, is it? Because we're talking about Donald Trump, America's answer to a question nobody fucking asked. You know, he, he hates Muslims, he wants Mexicans to build a big wall around them, he thinks Obama faked his own birth certificate because he's, well, you know, look at him. Okay, he looks a bit foreign, doesn't he? Which is ridiculous, because if you're talking about skin colour, I'm not sure Trump even qualifies as a human let alone an American. As far as I'm concerned, the only person left in the race who could make a difference is Sanders, and he is a dead man walking, literally. Uh, it, is, it is quite depressing and yet slightly poetic that, that the world's last best hope for progressive politics looks like a depressed, reanimated corpse. So it's basically Clinton or Trump. Clinton, who changes her mind more often than her shoes, no to gay marriage, yes to gay marriage, whatever gets me the most votes to gay marriage. Or uh, you've got Donald Dayglow fuck nugget Trump. <laughs> the agony of choice. Let's go for another. Okay. <clears throat> we have nothing to fear but fear itself. The immortal words of Franklin D. Roosevelt. But now Donald Trump, I can't say his name without laughing. Donald Trump. I found that amusing. I might not agree with every sentiment expressed in there, but you know, the day glow fuck nugget. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty perfect. Yeah. That actually made me really happy. Yes. Um, so he, he is, uh, he's good. He, uh, he's on YouTube for people that don't know Jonathan. Yeah. Pye. Jonathan Pye. He's elsewhere now as well. One of the networks, I think started showing his stuff. RTUK. Not, not one of them. Yeah, not one of the major networks, but yeah. Well, I mean, RTUK, actually, um, if you go to RTUK's YouTube, you can get those on Friday. Yeah. The general public gets them on Sunday. So, yeah. I'll just put the YouTube link in the chat. He, 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 he enjoys his ranting, does Jonathan. Yeah. Well, like God I said. God knows what his real name is, but yeah. <laughs> his persona it's, it's, is excellent. Yeah, his, his name is Tom something. He's a comedian. So that's pretty, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I know we usually talk about stuff on this show. Does anybody have anything? I've been sitting reading regs for days. Yeah, I think most of us have probably been just occupied with the one subject mainly. So, yeah. <laughs> and we've mm. talked about that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right. So, for I guess somewhat less depressing news, the elect no, fight for the future dot org. Everybody know who that is? Uh, no. Fight. You don't know who Fight for the Future is. Fight for the Future is a coalition organization group of. People that are, are trying to protect your right to free speech and, and the internet and things like that. And uh, they say James Cormery, you know, Mr. Magical Thinking FBI man, has lost oh. his mind. 
and they want him to resign. <laughs> yeah, that's so, never going to happen. Oh, it's not ever going to happen, but it, it really... <laughs> you, you, <laughs> unless they get some shit. really juicy dirt on him, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, you'd have to get in bed with the NSA for that, wouldn't you? Well, not literally in bed. I mean, you just have to make friends with them. Well, I wouldn't. I'd have to get in bed with GCHQ. But um... well, GCHQ <laughs> probably has it way before the FDA does. Um, FDA, sorry, Ugh. NSA. You know, the NSA is just a wannabe GCHQ, really. So... Well, they're 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 younger, but they have much more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they do have they do have a lot of money. Um. So, Salon slammed the new Captain America film badly. I didn't saying think it was that, that bad. <laughs> oh no no no! They they said Captain America was a douchey libertarian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have they watched the film? Uh. uh that, that is what their writer said, that uh, Steve Rogers was nothing but a douchey libertarian. So oh I was my like, god, oh, okay. it's almost as if the guy who stands up for liberty is a libertarian. Who'd have thought <laughs> it? Eh? Actually, in the comic books, it's not quite that simple. But, no. um, yeah. So, now, of course, like, it wasn't at the top of my list. I really have to go see it now. Uh, you, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course I am. The, the, on, big, the big fight scene is amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I heard that. I heard that it was pretty good. So I'm excited about seeing that. I'll be doing that this week coming up because uh, I could use a little cheering up. Um, it. Well, well makes... you've, I mean, yeah, this film's got Ant-Man and Spider-Man for the comic relief elements. So, yeah. <laughs> Excellent yeah. stuff. Yeah. <sighs> Ant-Man's funny. Yes. Ant-Man was um, one of the... It was one of the broader offshoots that I, I didn't know how it was going to fare, but I did want to see it, and um, I did see it, and I was thoroughly impressed. Um, you've got incredible comedic timing, and uh, I don't know how they did the digital facelift on uh, Michael Douglas, but Jesus, they deserve an Academy Award for that shit. Yeah. Yeah, the special effects studio outdid themselves on some of the retouching. Yeah. They did. And and key key ring collectors can have a field day as well. <laughs> the little tanks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry the show is literally about nothing. I mean it's <laughs> literally about nothing. That's not normally what you tune in to hear. Normally you tune in to hear me um go off on a anti government toot or rant about banking i don't have it in me this week well yeah as i said the the one subject uh sort of drew us all in this week mm -hmm. but yeah that, that happens sometimes um, it's it's compelling genie tell me about the bees tell me about bee guy <laughs> i am so pissed okay How <laughs> this this poor guy has to go to court over the fact that he's got blueberry bushes and beehives. Because nature, that's illegal. 
Honeybee public hearing this Tuesday. Um, I, I'm I I'm just dumbfounded. Um, dumbfounded. Yeah, dumbfounded. I'm sorry. I had to think of the right word. Um, I've been talking with all my grammar Nazi friends now, so every time I say something, I have to think it back and go, "Did that make sense?" Um, so this guy has been in and out of court for over a year. He got a violation for blueberries and keeping honeybees on his property. That bastard. I know. Yeah, but I bet, it's more, I, bet, I bet those evil bees have been going all over the place pollinating stuff without permission. Yeah, yeah here's, and here's the thing, and this is what pisses me off the most, okay? Say your neighbor's got a cat, and I'm not, I'm not against cats, okay? I'm not against cats. Say now. <laughs> I no, I I like cats. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be the crazy old dog lady, though, not the crazy old cat lady. Um, but you know, I have out in front of my house. There was like this little. There's this little triangle, like of grass. It's it wasn't really, but it came to like a triangle shape in front, the way my driveway ran, and and it was driving me nuts. Because it wasn't quite big enough to get the riding lawnmower in. And it was just this funky shape. So we put all this weed barrier down. Because my husband has access that he can get that really big, thick weed barrier. Right. And so we put that down. And I had it covered in crushed tile. Only an American tile um, was 18 miles from here. And so the gravel pits used to buy all of their cracked and broken tile mm-hmm. from them. And they ran it through the rock crusher, and and it ended up this really pretty multicolor whatever. So that's what we put over top of this weed barrier. And where I wanted to plant my plants, I cut through the weed barrier and I put my plants in. Every fucking cat in the neighborhood uses it as their (laughs) private litter box. (laughs) Oh, Jeannie. Do you know what I can do about it? Nothing. Nothing. I, well, can't, I can't even shoot the neighbor's cats with a pellet gun. There are some things you can do about it, but they're not pleasant. Well, and um, none of them are legal, Barry. Well, no, 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 no. Some of them are. Um, because they one, say cats cats are feral. Yeah. Uh, one, get, no, get your own... House pet. Yeah, one is get your own really well-trained, incredibly vicious territorial cat. Uh, <laughs> I used to have that one. Uh, Part wild cat. Any other cat oh. came into my my garden. My cat used to rip pieces off it. Well, um, do you know, can be arrested if my dog attacks these people's cat while it's on my property. Yeah, another one is, and and this is where it gets the less pleasant thing. Uh, lion piss. You put lion pee round your boundary. I just want my flower, my my big beautiful crushed tile flower bed to smell like. Lion no, no, pit. no. Humans can't smell it. It's uh, when I say lion pee, it's an extract made from lion urine. It's got pheromones and cat pheromones in it, and other cats will smell it and go, "Oh shit, there's a really big cat round here." Yeah. So if you're not responsible for your pet cat, how can people complain about? And and here's the thing that I just find so utterly asinine over the entire thing is without bees we don't have food without food these people will fucking die right 
What is their problem? And and understand that I'm I'm coming at this from a perspective of someone who who up until recently was extremely allergic to bees. When my husband started keeping bees, mm-hmm. I was deathly allergic to bees. I carry an EpiPen. Mm-hmm. We keep bees. 50 feet from my house. And I'm willing to bet you've never been hurt. I have been stung once. And that was because I had on one of those billowy blouse tops. Mm -hmm. And the the bee went up the back of my shirt and... Couldn't get out? Couldn't get out. And Jeannie was breakdancing. Yeah. I, I bet you, yeah, it's scary when you're allergic to stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, bees that are happily tending a hive mm-hmm. don't give a shit about people. Yeah, they could the, care less. Yeah, I mean, the only times the only times they'll get aggressive is if they're under threat. Yes. So if there's about to be a big storm, they get a bit um, upset, or if there are wasps in the area. Yeah. Um. And and. And here's the thing, too. when bees are in a swarm, they could give a shit about you unless they're Africanized. Yeah. Because if bees are in a swarm, that means something has happened. Either the hive got so big that it's splitting, and and the old queen has taken half of the colony and is flying off to find a new home. Or something has happened to their home, and they're looking for a new home. And all they want is to find some place to secure their queen and start rebuilding their hive. They don't give a shit about people. Unless you start trying to hit them. Yeah, Yeah, it's really, yes, it's really scary. But they they don't care about Oh, Jeannie, did you see the research stuff that came out a couple of weeks back about the neonicotinoids? Yes, you know, there's one of them that might actually help increase bee population because it apparently one of them makes um, colonies produce more queens, which is really unusual. <laughs> yeah, that is strange. Because yeah, uh, unlike many of the environmental ranty nutcases, <laughs> original nicotine bees don't give a shit about, and unless you spray it on them, it's not going to kill them. <laughs> Yeah. If you spray it on plants to kill other insects, it's not going to really affect bees that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, bees have quite a tolerance, apparently, for traditional nicotine. But the neonicotinoids were a problem. There are three at the moment. Two do kill bees. The other one, as I say, they're they're still doing research, but apparently, yeah, it kills some of the bees, but seems to make the hives produce more queens, which is confusing. But, yeah... <laughs> More research needed. Well, it's been the largest bee survey done anywhere in the world on the chemicals. This this poor guy is going to court. Yeah. Yeah. And the sad part is he's doing nothing different than our grandparents did, than you do. And yeah. it's and it's the planning board. Yeah. I mean, growing oh, up, so we had gooseberries and Montebello, you know, New York. Anybody, yeah, anybody that lives in Montebello, New York, you need to tell your planning board 
that they're assholes and douchebags. And I hope that they are going hungry because they're picketing against food, i.e. blueberries, and the production of food, i.e. honeybees. Well, so yes, May the 10th. So tomorrow at 7.15 p.m. in the village of Montebello, New York, there is a poor gentleman by the name of Zev Oster um, that is getting dragged into court about having blueberry bushes and honeybees. How dare he, apparently. This, this poor guy. Keep it up, Zev. Keep it up. Keep up the good work, because I like food and honey and, you know, oh, that's right. My three gallons of mead should be almost done. Oh, mead. <laughs> You're going all Viking on us. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. She doesn't have her battle axe. Give her time. I have one of them. I knew you did. Yeah, and Viking, Vikings mostly <laughs> used no, wait a minute. swords anyway. So, yeah. I, can't, I don't think Ginny can lift a broadsword. No, 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 no. The Viking ones were um, but I still have very it. light. Uh, they they used, funnily enough, a sort of honeycomb structure inside the blade to make it lighter. Very interesting. But, yeah. So they used a honeycomb structure first. In, inside, well, sword. When you make a sword, you have a most swords. You have a solid core. Then the blade metals on the outside, which is what you hammer to get the nice edges. But you put a solid sort of iron bar up the middle, so it's got weight and stops it flexing. But what the Vikings did, instead of having a solid core, they had two smaller sort of bars of metal that they interleaved on the inside. So there's air gaps inside the blade. So it made the blade lighter, so you could use it more. I really like the folded Japanese blades. I love those. Oh, the five, yeah, the five hundred fold steel. Yes. Yes, love. It does take a while to make them. Yes, they're not cheap, but they are my favorite. You can you can make a, a you, know, you know that you know like banning weapons on planes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you can actually make a serviceable blade using tin foil. Using the folding method, <laughs> somebody just... could, somebody could sit there with tin foil on the plane and <laughs> fold it and fold it and fold it, and if they know what they're doing, they can make a very very sharp blade just using tin foil. There's you videos know, on YouTube. You can go and look. Yeah. Actually, wasn't there like a few years ago, and I don't know whether the government forced them to stop doing it or not, but there were a couple guys. All they did was travel the world and make serviceable weapons out of what they could find in airport gift shops. Mm-hmm. And they would put it on, the, and <laughs> they made some pretty cool shit. They made a lot of flamethrowers. Yeah. Oh, flamethrowers, easy. Yeah. Very easy with anything you can get at the airport. So. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, well, John knows. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a, I used to be a role player. Mm-hmm. A lot of listeners won't know what that is. Dungeons and Dragons, right? Tabletop fantasy gaming, or whatever you want to call it, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I have great insights in how to 
sneak stuff through customs onto planes, all that kind of thing. Because yeah, these, these games teach you to think creatively. That's 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 where role-playing comes from. It was it actually stems from a CIA project to try and figure out what the Russians were going to do during the Cold War. So they set up um, a training centre where, you know, the people had to speak in Russian, act as if they were Russian, basically try and think like Russians. And out of that, we got role-playing <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, Tunnels and Trolls, and all that's come since. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes you think creatively. Um, so, yeah, they can have all the security in the world they want, but people will find ways around it. I mean, and that's maybe the lesson of human nature. You can say anything's illegal, you can make any law you want. Uh, if people want to do something, they're by God going to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, way back when, back in the Prohibition era, um, <laughs> when a lot of the criminals couldn't get hold of real guns you know, everybody has this image of the gangsters there with the Tommy guns and the pistols but they weren't nearly as common back then as people think mm -hmm. and lots of criminals used something called a zip gun Jeannie might be aware of what that is yes I am <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and you can make it in the average garden shed You, it's not complicated and okay yeah it's only single shot yeah, so you still kill somebody with it. <laughs> if if you're a good shot, you really only need one. Uh -huh. Um, I don't know. I uh, I I really I agree about that. But I mean, people have made guns out of all sorts of things. Oh yeah. Nail guns um, are particularly popular for any of the DIY gun weapons. I, I don't know if anybody's ever seen those. But, um, yeah. Yeah, you, oh, you can fire a nail 20 feet quite accurately, yeah. Well, I'm just saying that that's usually the starting point. Mm-hmm. You know, other things get added on, built on. But, yeah, even a nail gun's a really serviceable weapon if bad things are happening at the time. Every Well, the basic... Right, my father, ex-Special Forces, everything can be a weapon. Everything. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trained. Well, you can slice somebody's throat open with a sheet of paper if you need to, if you know what you're doing. So, yeah. <laughs> my dad always told me the human brain, that's your weapon. Yeah. The human brain. The body is just an extension of what the brain will do. And if you're smart, you know what you're doing. You can always defend yourself even when you think you have nothing. Not just defend yourself. Whatever you have to do. Um, so, a shovel, a broom, your shoe, nothing. Oh, I've, really I've, don't need I've thought, I thought of a film reference for the ingenuity thing. Red 2, if anyone's seen it. Yes. The, the Korean assassin with his origami. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't see it. I Kills don't... a guy with a piece of paper. Yeah. Oh, Jan, the, those movies are just absolutely freaking hysterical. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, the best Reds. bit's Helen Reds. Mirren playing the. Helen Mirren when she. Yeah. Okay, Reds. Yes. I didn't quite hear what you said. Yeah, no, Reds, they were great. Both of them were. 
yeah, the second film's hilarious. Uh, Anthony Hopkins uh, is brilliant as the mad scientist. Well, <laughs> Helen Mirren is just, she's so amazing. And I, I want to really, <laughs> as much as I, I don't want to talk about this, I guess I will. Um, everybody saw Patrick Stewart in drag, yes? Uh-huh. Okay. Did anybody else think he looked like Helen Mirren? Except for bit. the one fucked up eyelash. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yes. But a bit chunkier, yeah. Well, come on, man. <laughs> I, I've got to say, I don't think that man has changed in the last 25 years. I don't know how the hell he does it. He has said, yeah, going bald when he was young helped his career because he has looked <laughs> the same for so long now. <laughs> Because that, that's usually the big sign of aging for male film stars, is receding yeah. hairline and all that sort of thing. But yeah, he lost his hair young, so yeah, it made no difference to his career whatsoever. <laughs> hey, you know, if you're going to do something, just do it. You know? Um, and besides, guys, I don't know. They're not, um, they're not quite as scorned for their age in Hollywood as women are. It's really strange. But eh, I don't get it. I don't have to. Um, so, as much as I hate to talk about the Dayglo fuck nugget, <laughs> he did. I, you guys know I, I watch a lot of. What I do watch TV, I watch a lot of politics. So, you know, I get to hear a lot of things I wish I didn't. I get to want to stab myself in the eye very, very often. Donald Trump said something in a speech the other day that shocked me and, and he's about the only one I've ever heard talk about um, the weak value of our currency and he talked about the dollar going into default you know and as much as the press is talking about what an idiot he is and he doesn't know what's going on uh, he's not wrong I mean, uh, unfortunately you see what's happening in China, Japan, other places, and, and their currency is, is kind of pouring into the U.S. dollar, which you would think would make it stronger. It kind of does, but if the economic system we have, you actually don't really want a strong dollar, which has never really made any sense to me. Um, and that's kind of a problem. So we have all kinds of money pouring in here, buying stuff, buying land, buying homes. Um, you'll if you know anything about what's going on in Detroit there's just whole blocks of Detroit that are just owned by just simple people who work in China um because you can get a house in Detroit for a dollar now and I don't know that you call it a house you can get a foundation on land in Detroit now for about a dollar because you're going to want to raise the structure um and I guess that's a pretty good deal um uh, but it also weakens our currency somehow, which I still don't understand. It's that extraterrestrial, you know, math that economists do that I don't quite get. Um, but Donald Trump was talking about how it was clear to him, looking at all of the places that are defaulting because of all the public funding they have to do with their pension plans, that it was going to be really bad for America unless our creditors would accept like a penny on the dollar. 
that he really foresaw a massive currency crisis. And I almost fell out of the chair. I was like, wow, I've never heard anybody say that before. And it almost, it was almost intelligent. You know what I mean? It, it was almost the, mo it, it was the most intelligent thing I've heard come out of his mouth. And, you know, after that, he started talking about Trump stakes. I don't give a fuck about Trump stakes. Um, yeah, he can't help himself. He only stays lucid for very short periods. <laughs> but I was very surprised that somebody actually talked about the monetary problem in this country. Well, he talked about it, but he had... He won't do anything he, I, about I it. I saw some of the reporting on it. Um, yeah, he seems to have quite a simplistic view about creditors. Oh, um, they're not going to accept a penny on the dollar. He's oh, no, 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 no. Ask Greece. Yeah. He's retarded. <laughs> Ask he Greece and Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you're talking IMF territory here. Well, they'll have, to, they'll have to relieve some of the debt, was what he was saying. Or or will well, we'll default, and what are they going to do then? It's like, yes, yes, it'll hurt them. Hurt you more, <laughs> though, you idiot. Well, I mean, the whole thing, and we've talked about this before, the only way... For some reason, fiat currency does this in like seven-year cycles. And we've let it go for 700 too many years since we've done this. But in biblical times, every seven years, they had a debt jubilee. Yeah. All debt was forgiven and you started fresh. Because once you take value out of the currency, it becomes worth nothing. And that's... I don't know whether it's an inherent weakness in the capitalistic system or whether it's an inherent weakness in the monetary system, but there you go. And it worked in biblical times. You know what I mean? People worked out their differences and, you know, you know, Christians were fed the lions and, and all that fun stuff, crucifixions. But, you know, at least every seven years you could wipe out your debt and start fresh. We don't have that option. You know, well, yeah, we mean... don't have the fight club option here. Borrowing, borrowing loads and then defaulting, that came into vogue with Richard the Lionheart. Uh, mm -hmm. He used to enjoy borrowing money off people, and then when he tried to get the money back, he told them, eh, piss off, I'm king. Look at my large army that you paid for that'll come round and kill you if you try and take anything of mine. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what Donald Trump, I think, that's what's in his head when he talks about how he behaves it isn't but I think that's what's in his head I can do what I like I am rich and powerful like, yeah you're not I, I said to a friend when he was talking about this last week I'm like yeah he's he still has this thing that he thinks he's rich and a big deal but when he's talking about debt relief he's going up against the big hedge funds they could buy half the world with the money they've got to put aside. He's not going to win against them. <laughs> no, I mean, no, he's not going to win against them, and I don't think he's trying to win against them. I think he's no. trying to, he's he's gone through every populist argument he can, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all the brown people taking our jobs, and that's a really simplistic view, and it, it happens all the time. Um, people refuse to see that when you have a what should I call this a, a system of inverted totalitarianism like you and I live under uh, you live under it in the UK and it's, it's much more 
oppressive in a lot of ways than it is here, but it's oppressive no matter where this happens, where the government cares more for the corporations than the people, you know, and will take money out of people's pockets using austerity, which you see happening around you, people dying in the streets, um, and pump it into all these banks and all these big systems. And yet I know in the UK they've done investigations and said that money isn't even going where it's supposed to go. And they can't even trace where it's all ending up, right? When you live under a system like that, you know, it's a, it's a pretty foregone conclusion that, you know, the regime is fascist, right? Pretty much. I mean, a form of fascism, not... Totalitarianist, possibly not fascist, but yeah, they're... They are controlled. They're very so totalitarian is the the closest description. Unless they are openly fascist, and there are a few of those regimes around the world. Um, Well, yeah. When you live under a system like that, you can never really expect to get like a fair shake, which is unfortunate. And you know, it amazes me how these people use these populist arguments to try to get people to blame the fact their jobs were lost on the poor and the unfortunate and the brown. It just makes no fucking sense to me. Because that's not where your money's going. The government's giving it to corporations. Corporations are taking it and hiding it in offshore corporations. Look at the fucking Panama Papers. Um, There is no solution to that except to burn it all down. Right. You understand what I mean. I'm not literally saying burn it all down, but I'm saying, you know, just get as far out of the system as you can. That's what, like, Jeannie's doing, you know, with all the being super prepared and taking care of as much of her family's needs as she possibly can without being involved in the system. Well, yeah, lot, lots of people are getting out of the system because they live in fear of the fire, the coming fire sale. If you've yeah. watched certain Hollywood films, it has come up. Die Hard 4, I think, was about <laughs> it. Um, and other films have mentioned it. But yes, people deliberately crashing the system. But, I mean, it's not that far-fetched. Um, yeah. Michael Palast is a journalist that I think maybe I've talked about him before. And Michael Palast had a document that which head of the Federal Reserve was it? It was the shitty-looking guy with the beard. Um, I forget his name. But he was Mr. Break Windows and You'll Make Money. And this was in recent times. I forget his name. I read so much stuff, it all kind of blurs together. But he had a document where this man and and heads of other Federal Reserve-type banking systems around the world got together and planned to collapse our currency in 1989, 1990. And he couldn't believe what he was reading, right? So he investigated. He called the phone numbers that were listed on this document that a whistleblower gave him. 
and each one of the people that it was addressed to had answered the phone and they freaked out because he started asking them questions and i believe was it panorama and one of the uk magazines were the only ones that would cover this shit mm-hmm. nobody in the united states talked about it but michael Palas still has that document so the idea of them deliberately crashing the currency driving us all into the ground is not as far-fetched as you think no well that's that's one for the listeners as well if they can get find find it on youtube and stuff some of the best political and investigative journalism still done in the uk but it's not as good as it used to be even as panorama from the bbc Um, no panorama was very good Channel 4 also uh, have a program called Dispatches, which is also very good. Um, Actually, they cover things that nobody else seems to bother with. Yeah. yeah. If you really want good journalism, there is still some out there. It's not really as hard to find, and, and you can even find it in regular television if you know what you're looking for. The unfortunate part, as I'm sure people know, just looking at the way journalism has wound up being lately, um, is that they're not getting a fair shake from the press. Um, would you like to bring on Alex for the Kasat thing? Okay. Uh, here we go. Good evening, Alex. Good evening. Good evening, and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 5-9-2016. I'm not even going to ask you what's new and exciting. <laughs> just, just just, run with it. <laughs> Man. Well, I I just got caught up on some sleep um, <laughs> over, <laughs> over dinner. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm exhausted. It's been a crazy, crazy several days um i will say uh we are getting more phone calls to the casa hotline (laughs) than i've seen in the past six months or a year or really since the phone has been forwarding to me um and uh it's uh yeah for those who are just joining us uh the fda deeming regulations were announced on uh Jeez, Thursday morning, Thursday, May 5th, is that correct? Yes. Yes, Revenge of the 5th. <laughs> um, and uh, this is seriously for people who have just started vaping in the past week. Um, this is this is news to them, and I, I feel really bad for you because you've got a lot of catching up to do. Um, even people that have just started vaping in the past month actually – Arguably, people that have been vaping for the past two years, this is there. Are, there are some folks that are just being completely caught off guard by this. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, all of the all of the advocacy organizations are working overtime to try to uh, find out, work out the best way to communicate the situation to people. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I I am I. I don't. I don't really remember the last time I've been this tired. Um, so when you worked at Bendigo, maybe. 
after like maybe several days driving across the country or something, but even then I could pull over, you know, at night and get a full night's sleep. Um, you know, I've been up till two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, last night I had a really hard time sleeping because it's Monday today and uh, there are certain things that need to happen. Unfortunately, I, 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 had, to, I had to take two hours and go to sleep um, this evening. Um, well, you need it. Yeah. And, uh, and lots of plans for, for Tuesday. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, tomorrow, May 10th, uh, which is on your calendar, 510. Um, the FDA deeming regulations are going to be officially published in the Federal Register and that essentially starts the countdown clock on the various compliance periods that uh, manufacturers and retailers have to implement certain practices. Um, I don't have a concise breakdown of you know what that means at 30 days, 90 days, a year, two years, three years but uh, that information is, is coming out and, I, and we hope to provide something digestible in, in terms of how that affects consumers um, going forward. Uh, but um, yeah, the 90 day uh, goals or, or uh, deadline uh, is going to be, uh, I have, I don't know if I've openly speculated this or not, but um, the 90-day point is where we're going to start seeing businesses closing. Uh, yeah. There is a paperwork burden involved in a lot of this yep. that for some people who, are, who do not have the, the resources, they are not familiar with complying with federal regulations. Uh, in some instances, you have business owners who are not familiar with complying with simple you know, local health codes. Um, you know, this was their first business and, um, you know, so, something as simple as getting your occupancy permit or business license, um, you know, that was in and of itself kind of a daunting task. I know I was a small business owner once and um, for, for some of these things, you know, I, I had to reach out to experienced people in order to guide me through just simple things about, uh, you know, how do I do payroll? That's that's pretty 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 normal, um, and uh, you know you have to hire an accountant. All of these things add up to expenses. We're talking about federal regulations here, which are very. I mean, it's hard enough. It's hard enough for the FDA to really understand their own rules. So no one should be under any delusion that um, you're just going to spend an evening sitting down with this 500-page document and and magically understand it. Um, unless you're some sort of super genius, um, and if you are a super genius, you know, uh, awesome because you'll be fine. Uh, you'll find something else to do with your talents. Um, but uh, but yeah, this this stuff is thick, and it's it's really not it's not user friendly. So it's not um, easily digestible to read it. it. It's not like it's not even as easy to read as say Game of Thrones books. Like a Song of Fire and Ice was much easier to read than this stuff. And that was not an easy read. Just saying. And it, you know, yeah, I mean, at least there's dragons in that. Yes. So um, <laughs> there are no dragons in the FDA deeming regulations. Well, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can make the, the analogy that, you know, the FDA might be the fire breathing dragon, but um, 
I, I don't really want to insult dragons like that. So um, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> before we go down that rabbit hole. Um, so um, yeah, the 90 day cutoff is, is going to be uh, a very interesting one. That has been pegged at August 8th. Um, so yeah, a lot needs to happen between now and then. Uh, I, I do want to share that I am getting lots of calls. I'd say um, probably two out of the three calls that I've been getting have been from people in the industry, uh, whether they're e-liquid manufacturers, mod makers, small business owners, re you know, retailers. Um, it, two out of three of the calls have been coming from small businesses. Um, and I just really want to put it out there. The first thing I say to them is you need to get dialed in with an industry association. Um, Kassar is a consumer advocacy organization. We, yep. we do not provide advice to industry. It's just not our wheelhouse. Um, and you know, now more than, and I'm not being like stingy with information. It's just not something I spend my time understanding. Um, I, I understand it as much as I need to in order to communicate the effects that these things have on consumers. Right. Um, but it, it is, it's just not our role to provide that information. And this serves a couple of purposes. Number one, it protects us from giving out legal advice to businesses. That's just not our job and we should not assume that role. The second is we are now without apology actively sending people to join an industry association. Um, this, this afternoon we announced that we are in a coalition now uh, with Safada, AMSA, uh, American Vaping Association, not blowing smoke. Did I get everybody? I feel like, I always feel like I forget one, us. Um, uh, and uh, it, I, I, I strongly encourage small and medium businesses to join Safada. Safada, they, they have a sliding scale, guys. Yeah, it's 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 based on your size and 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 uh, sales. I, I I don't know exactly how they calculate your your dues, but it is fair, and it is a lot more fair and a lot better investment uh, than not doing anything and finding yourself out of business in ninety days um, or a year. So uh, if you are serious about protecting your business absolutely join Safada, get dialed in. And there are other industry associations out there um, that are, are also going to be working to provide their members with information. Um, it's just, you know, right now we have probably the closest working relationship with Safada, and so I, I feel comfortable recommending people uh, to join um, that. It, but, you know, honestly, just join any industry association and, and get going. It's, it, it's that it's, it's that it's that serious um so uh and and that is that really is the that is one of the roles of an industry association is to provide its members with valuable guidance and information in how to you know be compliant with rules like this um uh, so <laughs> uh that has been my standard answer 
for, for people that have called asking how, how these regs are going to affect their business. Um, I don't even really get around, I, I might, but I, I, I don't even so much get around to saying, you know, oh, and if you could put CASA materials on your front counter, that'd be great. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, you, you just got to join an, an association. Um, so I, oh. I feel like I've kind of beat that to the ground. But. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you do. I mean, I know it's something that, like, from the beginning, years ago, Julie and I used to wish people would just join an association because they have greater pull. You know, their words mean something more than just one person alone. Strength in numbers. And especially with businesses that provide tax income, etc. You know, their voice means more than just an individual voice in the dark, basically. Yeah. And, you know, also it's important to note that, uh, you know, we are, we are exploring litigation strategies. Um, and so as a member of an association, your dues are going to go towards, um, uh, are, are likely going to go towards uh, funding any kind of uh, litigation uh, that the association might, might, might be a part of. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's very very important. And I, of course, I say all of this because um, this, you know, and we come back to how this is a consumer issue. If there are no retail shops open, then I have a harder time shopping for for these products. Um, it, it just is that simple. So, um, yeah. So I, I know that everybody is very curious about the nitty gritty of. Uh, you know, I think everybody's sort of chomping at the bit to get kind of a digest of these regulations. Um, probably the most important thing that I'm still kind of working on in terms of how it affects consumers is uh, the compliance deadlines. Um, I don't have them all committed to memory, but you know, I'm going through it, and I would like to really make a, a document or a graphic that. Um, clearly explains this. So this that's one of my goals for this week is to put out that piece of information. Um, but it is slow going because it, it really it, it it demands researching the code uh, and there's there's a lot of it. So um, we're doing that. And there are lots of questions about other specifics. Um, you know, what does this mean for DIY? Uh, you know, will I still be able to get this or that? Um, again, all of these answers are coming, and uh, you know, I think justifiably, members of you know the, the people in leadership positions uh, in in the various advocacy groups, you can expect us to be um, very uh, reserved and thoughtful about our answers. There, there is that that we're we're in that area where we're potentially crossing over into legal advice. Mm -hmm. So uh, we we really do want to be on point with with the answers that we give. So you know, bear with us um, from a consumer perspective. Uh, you know, we've got 90 days before we start seeing any significant changes, uh, and in that time, there are going to be opportunities to take action. Uh, tomorrow is a good example. Uh, we are we are working on an engagement right now to put out tomorrow, um, and uh, I, I I will tell you that this is not something that we expect to solve the problem overnight. But this is kind of one of those things that uh, 
by all means, uh, we should take advantage of some of the the resources that FDA has made available uh, to. Uh, well, mainly it's it's made available made available to uh, industry, um, but uh, we're getting lots of questions. And I think the appropriate agency to answer questions about the FDA deeming regulations would, in fact, be the FDA. So uh, the FDA has actually provided phone numbers for this, and um, uh, this is likely to be part of, of something that we put out tomorrow. Um, and we're also going to be recommending that people uh, make phone calls. We're not we're not writing email, emails tomorrow. Tomorrow we're we're right we're we're. We're making phone calls, yes. um, so uh, we're going to be putting something out tomorrow, so that uh, throughout the day, people are going to be calling their representatives and sharing their story. And we have some some questions that that people should be asking of of their elected officials in regards to these deeming regulations. Um, so, and it's very important. And this is, you know, we we've sort of stressed kind of the varying degrees of engagement here. You have. You know, at, at one end of the spectrum, you have kind of the signing the random petition that is, you know, doesn't really have a whole lot of impact. And then, you know, many steps down from that, you have a uh, a form letter or a form email, which is probably the most popular thing that we put out. And then a couple steps down from that, you have the uh, customized email, which is something that also we provide and we encourage people to do. You are telling your story, you're putting your personal touch to it. And then you have phone calls, which is your voice speaking to someone on that elected official staff, and you're having an actual conversation with them. Um, whatever your talking points and story are, that's 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 your that's your that's your job to put that there. Um, and uh, so that's that has that has a much larger impact. And then in a in a respectful, polite yes, in a, in a respectful, polite manner. This is you know, your your. Yes, you're talking. Think of this as talking to the person that you most respect in the world, and and take that tone, um, and be constructive and respectful when you talk to lawmakers. Uh, and then you have handwritten personal letters or postcards. Um, those get a very uh, good response, and usually they are are, are taken as heartfelt. Yes. And then you have personal meetings. <clears throat> We're not necessarily encouraging people at the moment to set up personal meetings with lawmakers specifically for this issue. I'm not going to discourage anybody from doing it. If you have a, a good relationship with your, uh, with your congressman, by all means, have a sit down with them. Uh, it's, it's time for, for a lot of come to Jesus moments. Um, so, um, you know, the, anyway, uh, we've, we've stated all that before. I just figured now we'd, we'd reiterate, we've probably got some new people listening to this, um, seeking information. Um, but uh, yeah, tomorrow is you know tomorrow is a couple of things. It is uh, I guess five ten has sort of turned into World Vaping Day. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, understandably, the date lines up and makes sense. It's five ten, um, but uh, it is also this is this is the day that the FDA deeming regulations were officially released. Um, for anybody who is not concerned about this or thinks that, you know, you're going to ride this out, man. Um, I, I'm sure there are going to be loopholes that people discover. Um, you know, we have, have made it clear in our comments 
regarding the regulations that uh, you know a black market is an inevitability. Um, this is you know this is one of the things that that a lot of people have been highly critical regarding these regulations is that you're, you're basically just creating a gigantic black market. The infrastructure is already in place. Um, right. So, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you think that they made this as difficult to understand as possible? Um, and had so many people helping them orchestrate this 499 pages of garbage um, so that they're intentionally leaving themselves loopholes with more things to be able to come at us for? Um, that, it, you know, the way I understand FDA uh, regulating, in, you know, other industries is they sort of provide non-binding guidance. Um, it, it I think that sort of protects them against certain things, uh, and it also, uh, yeah, it just it makes it difficult for people to um, follow. So yeah, there is some intention behind it, uh, certainly, but uh, they're regulators, or they're bureaucrats. I mean, they they I, I don't know if they can order uh, a sandwich without being complicated. Um, so some of it is is some of it is in intentional in the way that they. You can't see the air quotes, but regulate. Um, and, uh, and as far as communicating this to stakeholders, um, it's it's legalese, uh, which is rarely ever easy for people to understand. Um, so yeah, did, did that answer your question? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's that's what I figured the answer was, and that's what I've been telling people the answer was. But it's it's always good when they hear the answers from the smart people that know this stuff, not the old lady with the big mouth. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, laws themselves are not really written for for the common man um, it, it does take you know generally a, a certain amount I, I like to say it takes a certain amount of patience really to read this stuff um, and I, I again I, I you know I don't have any legal training myself I just am fascinated by the language and, and how you know laws are made how laws are given power and, and how they take power and, and um, how they are are set up to to clarify, you know, how we're supposed to be behaving or, you know, whatever. Um, it, it is really a fascinating uh, study. And I, it's, you know, the way that language is used to, to set this stuff up is, 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 is fascinating. Um, and so it, it's, for me, it's a lot of persistence and, and you have to be patient with it. And I mean, I, I spent time this weekend, I spent probably an hour just reading and rereading one particular page of the regulations. I mean, you, you know, you got to get up and walk around and find something else to do for five minutes, but you got to come back to it with a fresh set of eyes and, and really sit down and get determined to kind of understand every word. Um, that's just something that, that I, I encourage people to do. And it, it really is just a matter of patience. You sound exhausted. I'm perking up now. I had a nap, <laughs> so I'm ready to get back in it. Should um, I just send you a case of Red Bull to the house? Or? I don't drink Red Bull anymore. <laughs> I, 
I have since these have come out. Yeah. Yeah. I have other other pills. You know, I have brain pills that I take. And coffee. We got a really good coffee shop in Jersey City that I, I like to go to and they make really, really good beans. So um anyway, I digress. Um so what what else? Um oh, oh. I guess we've kind of addressed this already uh, this afternoon, um, but I'll bring it up again just in case people missed the news. Um, so we formed this coalition, and um, it, it should be clear to people that the part of the reason for forming this coalition is that, uh, you know, there has been kind of a, an unseen unity between the various advocacy organizations. Uh, this has existed for you know, at, at the very least the past year, uh, in some cases longer, um, it's just depending on the existence of any particular organization. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of times what people see is this kind of stark division between the consumers and the industry. And then even amongst the industry groups, it seems like people are sort of competing for attention or space or, you know, their particular agenda, uh, being pushed through. Um, I'm not going to say that that sometimes isn't the case, but at the end of the day, we are all working towards the same goal. So, uh, you know, it, today, right away, immediately, you know, we have announced this coalition and, and it is, it is, it is intended to function as a coalition. Each of these organizations, uh, possesses different resources and, uh, can focus on different areas. Uh, you know, everybody's brings a different set of expertise to the table. Um, so again, we're pooling those resources and, and more importantly, we, we really do want to show the community that, that we, we are working together constructively towards, towards the goal of, of saving this industry. Uh, and I don't usually say that without saying saving, protecting our access to this industry. Um, but, uh, that, that is, it's just another way to say it, honestly. Um, so, yeah, going forward, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be working with these people. We've sort of already developed these relationships. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat confident at this point. I just, you know, I keep, I have this, somebody told me once, don't ever give the vapors any hope. <laughs> so I kind of, I'm conflicted in saying I'm confident that we're going to, um, I think in this, but, I don't you know. know if succeed is the right word. I, I think we're we're going to. I'm confident we're going to be able to work together to try to further our goal. <laughs> sounds, sounds. Uh, yeah, I've been watching way too much C-SPAN. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that, <laughs> and I, I I tend to agree. But um, that's, that's just I. You've always watched too much C-SPAN, Jan. That's not a new thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I, I don't really want to give people a bunch of platitudes about this. I, I really just want to give them a, a, you know, we deserve a straight answer. We're certainly not getting it from our elected officials and, and regulators. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to be doing our best to knock this out of the park. Um, oh, man, something else just popped into my head and I, I forgot it. At least none of us are sitting on our hands. I mean, as, as you know, as individual groups. 
You're breaking up. I am? Yeah. Hello? Okay. Can you hear me now? Sort of. Yeah, sort of. For about 10 seconds and it'll be right back to normal again. Yeah. Okay. We gotta wait. Um, we gotta wait till the spaceship gets out of. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Welcome relax files. Again. Huh? You're back to planet Earth. Okay. Um, I, I said at least we're we're working together. We're not um, individually sitting on our hands or just sitting on our own little pile of of whatever and. Um, Pretending it'll just go away. Because it won't just go away. So. Yeah. And um, there has been. This is. This is. The. The amount of support. That. Uh, that we're seeing. Uh, is. Uh, is very generous. Well. It's. It's. It's nice. It's nice to finally see it. Um, uh, we are getting. Uh, messages from. International interests uh that are that want to to support uh the united states vapors any way that they can um want to support the coalition um so it's it's not just a, a small group of of five organizations it's um everybody is is really interested in contributing and 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 putting their resources behind um fixing this regulatory situation um, and, you know, ultimately, I, I think, you know, one of the contentions all along, you know, right now we're talking about changing the predicate date. Um, we're, we're talking about that because it's kind of the most realistic legislative solution. Um, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, there, there are, are two vehicles for that message. And uh, one being H.R. 2058, the other being the Cole Bishop Amendment. Um, and the, the Cole Bishop Amendment actually is in a position where it's it's slightly more viable, um, but it's in just as much danger of not really going anywhere. And that should be that should be made clear um, that neither one of these pieces of legislation is is the, the silver bullet, um, but they are a start, and there is a reason to support both of them. Right. Um, um, so, uh, but then again. You know, changing the predicate date doesn't solve the problem of freezing innovation in its tracks, um, which is like that is. <laughs> we don't we don't have to wait for the 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 FDA's uh, you know ban hammer to come down on that. Uh, that happens ninety days from tomorrow. Uh, yeah. August eighth is the drop dead date. If you don't have a product on the market by then, you have to file a pre market tobacco application. Um, so we're, we're going to see a lot of manufacturers rushing to bring new product lines to the market over the 90, next 90 days. Right. Um, and somebody had actually raised the point that that um, potentially, you know, brings in consumer safety issues, people rushing, uh, you know, complicated electronics to, to the market, um, you know, that could be putting people at risk. So something right. for, for, our, for our members certainly to be aware of mm -hmm. um, going forward over the next 90 days. Um, I feel like I went down a, oh, so the, the point I was getting at was, you know, you know, ideally we end up in a situation where we're talking about a separate regulatory framework. I mean, that truly is the goal here. Um, we do not want to be regulated like tobacco products. Uh, it, it's, um, or, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I'm really even willing to concede at this point that, 
okay, fine, nicotine's derived from tobacco, that makes it a tobacco product. But um, you know, it, even if that's the case, there should still be some sort of separate regulatory regime for, for these products. Uh, it, it is just not fair to treat them like the deadliest combustible product. Um, and, an and another thing. <laughs> you go and another out. thing. This is this is really just burning me up, and I, I okay. and it, it's not because it's surprising or anything. It's just because it burns, and I, I absolutely despise this. We have been, you know, anybody who's been following this issue for any amount of time has watched, you know, just practically every week. There's some new horrible story about how electronic cigarettes are going to kill you and eat your children in some horrific way. Right. Um, unsurprisingly, the FDA's response to what do these regulations do, uh, I believe the White House response to what do these regulations do, the body parts organization's responses to what do these regulations do, have all been these regulations protect the children. The, these regulations have now set a national minimum legal purchase age of 18. Okay. Um, for, for those of you who have not been keeping score, uh, that takes care of two states, I believe right. Pennsylvania, Jeannie, am I right, Pennsylvania? Yes. Pennsylvania and Michigan. Yep. Uh, and I know Pennsylvania uh, that uh, there is a very active Safada chapter in Pennsylvania. Um, yes, Chris Hughes has been, uh, uh, I don't know, is Dynamo the, the proper word? Um, it, the, the guy is a powerhouse. I, I just, I, I love Chris Hughes. I love the work that he's doing. And there's, um, there's nothing that I, there's nothing that can happen in the state of Pennsylvania that Chris Hughes and Bill Gajol don't tell me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got Bill Godshall as well. So you have two very active and responsible people, leaders in the community. And, uh, you know, arguably, I, I don't know what the real number is, but I, I suspect a vast majority of retail establishments in Pennsylvania have already implemented a no sales to minors policy. Um, so, uh, again, the heavy lifting there done by small businesses didn't really need FDA intervention. Um, and uh, so that's kind of, that's the crowning achievement that FDA has put out there. And then they sort of follow that with, you know, oh, we're going to require ingredient listing and, um, you know, some other stuff. But like, yeah, totally monumental effort, guys. Way to go. You know, but, but the funny part is, didn't two separate United States University studies say that when you took e-cigarette access away from minors that they they just went off and smoked yeah i actually included that in um and that's some of the... and that's a win correct taking one of the safer forms of experimentation and nicotine use away from someone under the age of 21 and getting them to go smoke a marlboro is far better I mean, that's the message I take away from it. Just not knowing anything, to, blanking everything out that I know, that is the message that you get as a takeaway from this. And that's disingenuous. It's, well, a, it's, it's a lie. It's, it's, it's abstinence-only education. It's the, it is no different than telling young people to wait until they're married to have sex. Um, there, there is absolutely no difference there. Uh, and, and if you are, are not familiar with the, the 
public health issues that that has created. Uh, look at communities where abstinence-only education is the norm, and you will see higher rates of teenage pregnancy. Uh, arguably, I would suspect that you also see higher rates of abortion um, and uh, higher rates of some other risky behaviors. Uh, it, it, that approach has not worked for drugs. We have, uh, we still have a drug crisis in this country. We have for, for decades, um, and we have approached the issue with abstinence-only education, prohibition, uh, millions of lives have been ruined by that, and uh, and and it, it doesn't it doesn't start to improve until we start daylighting, at least at the very least, these conversations. Yes. Um, as someone who has gone through substance abuse recovery, I know that the stigma attached to uh, drug addiction, alcohol, alcoholism, uh, for you know that's that's why uh, Alcoholics Anonymous was formed in in the in the twenties. Uh, did I get that right? Was it the twenties? Um, these were people who had nowhere to go. They could not openly talk about their disease um, or their, their substance abuse problems with friends and family without being ostracized and, and, and stigmatized and, and treated like uh, second or third class citizens. They, they needed a group of people, like-minded people that they could share their stories with and feel safe with. Uh, it was still anonymous, but it, it, was, it, they, they, it had to be that way to yes. protect themselves. Um, going, you know, f a little further in history, uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous kind of had its own problem being anonymous. There's sort of, there's sort of a, a not really a backlash, but uh, it does uh, kind of hurt the, the effort a little bit in that you just can't talk about it. <laughs> um, it it's, uh, it, it's still stigmatized. And, um, you know, over time, that has kept millions of people from seeking treatment, uh, getting into to self-help groups, seeking any kind of recovery, because a lot of them feel that uh, their their issues with substance abuse are, are a crime and that they're going to be stigmatized. Um, and so, again, I, I know that I'm sort of going way off track no, here no, and dragging you're not, in other because issues. You're, you're talking about harm reduction. This is a conversation we as a country have to have. We as vapors have to have. We as people who are recovering from whatever, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, we have to have this conversation. You can't let it be in the shadows anymore. I mean, maybe this isn't the venue for it, but have at it. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, and appealing to the, you know, broad bipartisan support um, it, I think it's very important to raise these issues, um, you know, uh, you know, Democrats typically tend, typically um, agree with things like supporting people in recovery um, and, and, and having a, that conversation about, uh, about harm reduction. And, you know, it, it's, it is baffling that they have not freely made that association between uh, harm reduction for drugs and alcohol and other products uh, between that and, 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 and vapor products. Um, it's astonishing. It's disappointing. Yeah. And, um, and we're, you know, yeah, that's part of it. That's part of what we're doing here and, and is trying to, to help people understand that, that there really is no difference. Mm -hmm. <sighs> It's, I know you're frustrated. It's, it's okay. 
I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm beyond frustrated at this point. I I am I am openly angry. Um, I, so it, it, it periods throughout the day. I, I have gone from, you know, I sat in on the uh, Safada conference call on uh, Friday, I believe, and uh, you know, I, I the whole time I I I felt like I was sitting there watching a friend die. It was uh, it was very sad. I know I have seen uh, big strong men in the vaping community openly talk about how they just spent periods of the day crying. Um, this yeah. is this is huge. Um, it is. And so you know, I guess I guess all of us are probably going to go through those five stages of grief. Um, I, I I think I, I'm I'm getting into that uh, anger. And resentment stage, or if that I, I don't know them by heart, but I think anger is one of them. <laughs> it is. Anger is the motivating one. The quicker we the quicker we get past denial, the better. Let's put it that way. I don't know anybody who's actually in denial about this though. Oh, there's I, plenty. I, there are there are, there are there some are morons. Don't get me wrong, who you know so, but I think most people who are aware they're not in denial about anything. I had I talked to somebody. Um, I don't I don't even have to name names because I'm sure that this is rampant throughout the industry. But I spoke to somebody today who works in a vapor shop, and um, you know they were they were they were they were very concerned about the regulations and what they could do uh, to to fight back and and, and get involved. Uh, and they had spent some time you know trying to convince their boss that you know hey boss you got to join uh, an association. This is serious business. Uh, but that that business owner is taking their advice from the manufacturers that they're buying product from, oh, and the manufacturers sake. that they're buying from, of course, are saying, "No, no, no, we're totally fine. We're compliant. We're, we're, we're we've already we've already started our application. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna meet the deadlines, and we're still gonna be in business." I oh have a, I have a couple of ones that that I would like to ask you about, Alex, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I saw. I got a copy of an email that a wholesaler sent out to um, the companies that purchased from them and is recommending that, um, that the companies that purchase from them buy the minimum quantity required, which by the way is, is 20 or 30 bottles each, um, of each nicotine level that they bottle and each flavor that they bottle in each size that they offer within the next 90 days to be able to continue to have them on their shelves. Um, there's that, um, which I thought was quite clever because if you were honestly really concerned about the companies that, that buy your products from you at wholesale, um, I think I would have less than a 20 or 30 bottle minimum for them. But there's that. Um, so that's kind of scary. That's going on. Um, and then I just, as you were talking, and I had my microphone muted because I tend to cuss while you guys are talking, <laughs> um, I put up a post in the DIY group about the information that I have been obtaining from all you wonderful, smart friends of mine at CASA and um, from Michael Siegel's little webinar that he did today. Um, about the shipments and uh, somebody in the DIY group is under the impression that uh, none of this is going to affect DIY 
You know, I saw some. Um, I, I somebody had had, had uh, posted up. Uh, I guess Dr. Siegel opining about um, you know what the FDA could do to the DIY uh, market, specifically individual supplies. Um, I, I personally don't want to go too far into it. Um, I think it's safe to assume that nicotine is going to be get harder to get. Um, but uh, you know, as far as I understand it. Um, the base ingredients, propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, and the flavorings, they all have other uses. In fact, I mean, that's how uh, DIY started. Not, these companies were not necessarily marketing these base products specifically for electronic cigarettes. Um, and there's really no, you know, people make their own cosmetics at home. People, people make their own toothpaste. Um, some people use vegetable glycerin as a food additive. Um, you know, people use these food grade flavorings to make uh, baked goods and, and so on. Uh, making candy at home, you know, this is all of these products have different applications besides, and they had these applications long before electronic cigarettes came along. Um, so for those products, um, you know, FDA does not have the authority to regulate. Uh, those products as tobacco products if they are being sold for things like making your own candy at home or, or yeah, make, if making you're, it your own toothpaste. It's labor manufacturer, you're probably going to skate off of this fine. But if you're ordering all of your stuff, and see, and here's the thing, what I would be doing at this point is consolidating my orders. I'm going to find one place to get all of my stuff so that I am only having to pay that shipping once. But if this is the typical DIY shop that is selling nicotine, um, they're going to ship all their stuff the same way. So the shipping ban will affect it in that way. If it is nicotine um, or comes from a company that is primarily a, a DIY vendor that sells nicotine as well as everything else, um, that shipping cost is going to carry through. It it will directly affect that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, arguably, that's again. I don't want to offer legal opinion here, but it, I think that it is fair to speculate that, um, much like if you were to market these products as cessation products, you would be uh, approached by the FDA and and told to stop. Other or you know, or you need to go through the uh, uh, medicines approval process in order to market your product that way. Um, this this really comes down to how are the products marketed. So if you're a, you know, if you're a DIY company and everything on your your menu is intended to be used in a finished tobacco product, then guess what? Everything on your menu is a part of a tobacco product. And uh, you you just will have to, you know, change your marketing strategy. Um, it, it it's I think it's I think it's that that simple. Um, but as far as you know, people being able to continue accessing the at least the base ingredients and the flavorings, again, these were all available prior to electronic cigarettes. Um, and you know, this this is how the industry started. So um, it, it's. Uh, I, you know, we just kind of have to go back to the dark ages. That's uh, that that goes hand in hand with with with, with you know, 
manufacturing and purchasing on the black market. Um, the real, the real sticky wicket is going to be getting a hold of nicotine, um, and uh, of course that raises that raises some some legal challenge type questions um, that uh, you know we'll uh, be exploring going forward. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about that, just for practical reasons. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see uh, how the DIY thing actually shakes out. Um, so that's that. You need to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by yeah. the way, Julie, Julie, we're really sorry this is running long, but you you know this was important tonight. She'll forgive us. Oh, this. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the notes for tonight will be real simple. <laughs> a discussion on FDA deeming, so it could probably go up pretty quickly because that's kind of what this whole thing has been. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I feel like I might have uh, gone over. I, I was. I think your your first comment or question, Jeannie, about ordering. Uh, the minimum number of products. Um, this this touches on something, and unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to speak uh, too expertly on it because I, it's it's difficult for me to put my shoes my, myself in the shoes of a of a retailer. Um, but one of the provisions in it, the, the, one of the 90 day compliance things that that uh, I believe retailers and manufacturers uh, and wholesalers are going to have to um, Get get ready for is is listing uh, basically everything that's on your shelves. Uh, it, it's it's inventory, um, but uh, this inventory I believe will need to be submitted to the FDA, um, and uh, I, I think that's it. And I again, um, everybody who if if I personally am interpreting things and and you find yourself with questions, that's that's good consult the regulations. If you are in this industry and you don't like the answer that you're getting from CASA, consult the regulations, join an industry association, and consult with them. Um, so that's that's my standard disclaimer going forward. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, that <clears throat> there is a paperwork burden associated with Point. what people have to get accomplished in 90 days. Um, and so I, I suspect that information will be coming out shortly. Um, but, uh, you know, this people who are part of an industry association are going to get first crack at that guidance. That's how this works. Um, and, and we, you know, Casa, we're not in a position to, to circumvent that process. Um, it's not because we're cruel. It's just because our focus is on how this impacts consumers. Um, and, and if, if anything, that should be encouraging people to get involved and, and become a part of, of the of sort of official, uh, group of people that are going to be spending time and resources to, to get this changed. I'm going to start repeating myself here. So I probably should, uh, <laughs> let that go. Um, my brain is not firing on all six cylinders. Um, so it's, before I get myself into trouble, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's been a, it's been a long few days. Yeah. Reading this stuff kind of turns your brain to mush that that's been my 
um, experience with it? You know, <laughs> I just, just remembered one more thing. Um, <laughs> and this has nothing to do with the deeming regulations, so I'm okay. completely changing the subject here. And I don't want cool. this to get lost um, okay. because it, it was a significant event. Um, you know, one of the things that really kind of sucked about this <clears throat> was that uh, when the regulations came out, both Julie and I were traveling. Um, uh -huh. We had pre-scheduled pre travel that was, you know, this was scheduled months in advance. And, um, <clears throat> you know, this wasn't something that just popped up and we're like, oh, yeah, sure, like there's a possibility the deeming regs would come up, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hit the road. Um, <laughs> no, these were, these were commitments that we had months in advance of completely separate events. Um, but I was up in Albany, Albany, New York, with the New York Safada chapter um, for their lobby day. And so I got to, I got to pal around with a bunch of really great people from from New York State and and visit with their the members of the uh, New York legislature and have some conversations with staff members and actual actual lawmakers. Um, found a couple sympathetic ears. Um, a lot of people that really just wanted more information, really desperately needed more information. Um, got what feels like some reassuring news about New York in that, um, you know, there's, there's, not, there's a couple bills out there that, that might move, but generally um, not a very high threat level. Um, so, you know, again, you know, we have this federal deeming regulation which could wipe out the industry, <clears throat> um, but still in the interim, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, there's there's two years before some of these provisions kick in and states are still free to set stricter regulations than what the federal government uh, has determined is appropriate. That's been a provision of the Tobacco Control Act all along. Um, so uh, yes, we will be devoting a substantial amount of resources to fighting the federal regulation, but uh, people should still be very conscious of their state and local laws. Um, Tobacco 21 is still creeping across the country. I was, I went to Providence, Rhode Island before I went to Albany. It was one big car ride. Um, and uh, had the opportunity to testify in front of the House Finance Committee. Um, funny story about that. The chairman of the House Finance Committee had resigned that morning. Um, he is under investigation by a joint task force between the FBI and state police. Um, so the chairman of the committee was not there and uh, one of the, the positive outcome was that uh, the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the new chairman decided to hold all of the bills over for future study or further study. Um, which was uh, one of the things I was going to ask the, the committee for. Um, so that was good. Uh, and it, 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 like, it doesn't sound like that bill has a whole lot of prospect of moving forward. Um, but again, yeah, that's a Tobacco 21 law. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, the deeming regulations setting the minimum at, at 18, and this is a triumph for public health, blah, blah, blah. Uh, meanwhile, you know, states and municipalities are, are saying, well, 18 is not good enough. So, um, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> for, for reasons that are obvious to us, the FDA should absolutely not be celebrating this, this achievement. But 
nobody else should really be slapping them on the back like this is some great achievement um, uh, because you know there are zealots out there who absolutely are advocating for for stricter regulations um, I, I don't I don't know if I'm saying that properly but it's sort of I don't know. It's just it's this it's this tsunami tsunami of mediocrity that's just swallowing everybody up. It just really bothers me, and and you know the, the general public is so hypnotized by uh, you know I don't know. It's like this is one big car accident. The rest of the country is just sort of slowly driving by to see if there's any dead bodies. It's it's pretty horrible. Um, they don't. But I, I don't think people put it in the context we do. No. This. Fourteen million. I mean, we. we yeah, knew. I saw that. I saw that post, Jeannie, and that, that. Thanks for putting that out there. That was. Uh, that's. I think more more visualizations like the like the fourteen million dollars uh, to get these these products sitting on my desk. That it's fourteen million dollars. That that visualization needs to needs to really get out there. Yeah. Um. So but no, I, I know how you feel. Yeah. Anyway, I was I was attempting to end on a good note and, and really okay. just publicly publicly <laughs> wanted to put it out there. I had a really good time uh, you know, walking side by side with, with, with people in, in Albany. Um and if you if you live in New York State and you haven't had the opportunity to visit the, the Capitol, uh I, I strongly recommend it. Uh you paid for it, so there's that. Uh, but <laughs> They seem to have done a really good job. It's a beautiful complex, um, so uh, I, I strongly encourage anybody traveling through uh, uh, the upstate or uh, you know living in Albany uh, definitely pay your capital a visit. It uh, it was it was kind of breathtaking, honestly. Um, I, I I don't know if I'm supposed to get all gushy about public buildings, but um, sometimes I do. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you you like art and things, so architecture yeah. is just what what was it? Architecture is frozen music. There was that's, a there was a composer who said that. That's very nice. I'm I'm gonna you know what? Let's just end it there. <laughs> okay. I like that. Okay. All right. Go nap or something. Thank you. Cue whip cracking sound. It's time to get back to work. <laughs> thank you, Alex, for everything. Oh, thank you. Have a good night. Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you, Very. Have a good Alex. night. Alex, yeah. Jan. Yes. Thank you, guys. I don't thank I, you for anything. No, I do. <laughs> It cannot be easy. Jan, I can imagine the emails that you're fielding right now. I, I honestly can. And um, I'm sure a lot of people are screaming and yelling at you guys, saying, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing anything for us? Um, I, on the other hand, uh, know a little bit about what you guys do every day. And um, thank you. It is appreciated. Thank you, Janie. It's nice to hear all right, Alex. I'll, uh, I'll see you online. Okay. Good night. Thanks. Good night. Thank you. So, so was it as good as y'all hoped?
what was coming to this show as good as you imagined it would be like from hearing me cry about drew to this no, it was really was it just as good okay then then it was a normal show right so i'm not bitching about kids in schools and playing <laughs> in the yard there's that oh well you know i, I did promise you a story no, you didn't. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I promised to get you a story oh, every week. No, no, Jan. This is bad enough. Uh, uh, and somebody her. noted in chat that I was very quiet. Um, yeah, guys, I determined a long time ago that the best thing for me to do during the cassette update is to mute my microphone <laughs> because all of my loud cussing at all of this horrible shit that we have to hear um, is not quite appropriate to be in the CASA recording. I had to, I had to send Julie an apology. When <laughs> I felt so bad because, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it was bad. I don't want to have to do it again. Um, how about we end on a happy note? Ex-FBI agent admits he stole money to buy cars, plastic surgery, and more. I promised I wouldn't do a story, but uh, fuck it. I'm gonna, because this has to be more uplifting than anything I'd say at this point. A former FBI agent accused of stealing more than $136,000 in drug money and spending it on cars, vehicle accessories, and plastic surgery for his wife pled guilty to federal charges on Monday. Scott Bowman, 45, pled guilty in U.S. District Court in Los Angeles to one count of each conversion of property by a federal agent, obstruction of justice, falsification of records, and witness tampering, the Department of Justice said in his statement. Mr. Bowman takes responsibility for his actions by pleading guilty. The public should be reminded that FBI personnel are held to the highest standards of misconduct of any kind, and it is taken very seriously, said James Strzok, acting assistant director in charge of the FBI's Los Angeles field office. According to a written agreement with prosecutors, Bowman, in pleading guilty, admitted to misappropriating drug money seized by agents during the execution of three search warrants in the summer of 2014. Bowman further admitted to using the money to buy a 2012 Dodge Challenger and a 2013 Scion FRS Coupe and to outfit the vehicles with speakers, rims, tires, and other equipment, the court documents show. Bowman also admitted to spending $15,000 on cosmetic surgery for his wife. According to the plea agreement, he spent another on another $700 on tickets to a sporting event. The former agent faces a maximum prison term of several decades when he is sentenced later this year, although federal sentencing guidelines and his plea deal may call for less time. Bowman's guilty plea forced prosecutors to drop charges against more than a dozen alleged criminals involved in cases that were investigated by the corrupt agent. Bowman was part of an anti-gang task force in the San Bernardino area, and his attorney, James W. Spertus, alleged that the corruption was widespread in the unit, which included personnel from the FBI, San Bernardino Police, and San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office, according to the LA Times. Mr. Bowman accepted full responsibility for his role in charged offenses, Spertus said in a statement. We remain hopeful that the Department of Justice will accept our cooperation and cooperation from Mr. Bowman to investigate and root out the corruption in San Bernardino rather than continuing to ignore the problem there. Yes, because corruption is only a problem once you get fucking caught. Yeah. 
make, makes you really glad we have all these uh, agencies uh, for law enforcement, doesn't it? Well, it does because, you know, it just makes the corruption so much easier to root out, right? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so corrupt. You know, I, I did want to say something, though. I think what really pisses me off when I think about it, how long has Prince been dead? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Do you, have you seen all the shit in the news about him? Oh, he was a drug addict. He was a junkie. He was doctor shopping, this and that. That's fine. And that might be what killed him. But why are we using this man's death to sell a panic about painkillers? Are, are there other more important things in the news? Well, no? and, and here's... <laughs> this is a really bad subject for me, Jan. Um, because I, I became a cyborg. Um, I know. To not have to live on this shit. I know. And, and with my RSD, there are, there are breakthrough pain days. Um, I don't have to take them every so many hours, 24-7 anymore. And, and to me, that was, a, that was a very big deal to me to not have to do that. Um, but I still have breakthrough days. And, and here is, here is the, the problem with this big war on opiates that they're starting. Right. What's going to happen is the drug seekers are still going to find a way to get what they want. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, the people that are going to pay are the people like me that need 30 of them every six months. Yeah, you know, it, it's paternalism at its worst, right? I mean, you know, we, we know that rock stars a lot of times tend to have problems with self-control or they hurt themselves and they get hooked on painkillers or, or whatever happens to happen to them. We know this happens. Why we're taking that person's story out of context and making rules and regulations for a bunch of people based on a famous person's death is fucking ridiculous. It's goddamn nonsense. It's bullshit. They're using his death to push an agenda they already fucking had. How, how about we do something about the heroin problem? Um, because That's... obviously, you know, making it illegal has <laughs> solved the problem. It, you know, solved the problem. Is, is solving that problem now, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. I have, well, I had a brother who died basically because he was a heroin addict. Um, and I also had an uncle who was dying of lung cancer. Okay. And my niece got into a screaming fight at the hospital with the doctors because they didn't want to give him any opioids because he might get addicted. He was fucking dying, Jeannie. He was in the kind of pain you, you never want to imagine yourself being in. Every breath was, he was drowning, you know, and they didn't want to give him anything for it because he might get addicted to painkillers. We have a problem. This country, this planet has a problem. 
and it needs to address it. Now, not all people who use drugs, and I'm talking about people who drink fucking coffee in the morning. I'm talking about people who use sugar and people who use nicotine and people who use other forms of drugs. Not every one of them has a problem. And treating them like children only makes things worse. Make things better? You want to make things better? Look at what Portugal did and start treating people like fucking adults. Yes, there are going to be some horrible people that do some horrible shit. Guess what? That's life. You can't regulate all the fucking risk out of life. There's no way to do it. The government can't do it. The police can't stop all the risk that you have in your life. No one can. Risk is just what you get for being born. By being born, your chances of death increase 100-fold. And we all still got to live on this planet with each other. And it, it's time to get the regulators out of the way. They need to fucking stop. They need to go away. They need to get gone. Um, I guess it's time to push back. How you do that, it's up to you. I don't know what else to say. I think maybe that ends it. Yep. Do you want the... Uh... No, no Muppets, no ad. Okay. It's kind of a somber week. It feels like it should end like this. Good night, and we'll see you next week.